0: Welcome to Stratford Lutherans Sermon Podcast. I am Pastor Alex and this is a podcast that each week will deliver a new sermon message. These are taken directly from our ongoing sermon series and you can find them in on YouTube if you would like to watch them, but these are here for your listening pleasure. And I am so thankful that you have taken this opportunity to hear this particular sermon. And as always, if you have any questions, you can reach out to me. I am on Instagram at quorum.dale.life. You can reach me at Undying Light Ministries as I host that podcast, Undying Light. And I'm a co-host of a Matter of Truth podcast. This is just a means to allow my sermons to uh, be listened to at your convenience as a listener. And again, I just want to say I am very appreciative of you taking this opportunity to listen. Now, here's this week's sermon. We move back into our series on the Sunday School Bible Stories, and this week we find ourselves quickly looking at the account of Isaac, Abraham's son. I will go back and forth between a couple pieces of text as I go through the sermon, but I want to read the first five verses in the 26th chapter of Genesis. Now there was a famine in the land, and besides the former famine, that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar and, and Amalek, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For you and your offspring I will give all of these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and give to your offspring all of these lands, and in your offspring all of the nations of earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statures, and my laws." As I just mentioned, we're only going to spend one quick moment looking at the account of Isaac, more or less because Isaac finds himself nestled between a great father, Abraham, and then being a great father to a great son, Jacob, who we will start to unpack next week. But as I was putting this together this week, this thought kept coming back to me that there was something very significant that happened in genesis that we haven't really touched too much on yet this is found in genesis chapter 16 with the birth of ishmael and i started to ponder this that isaac and ishmael are, are essentially half brothers if you would but there's still some sort of rivalry there and we will unpack that in today's sermon but I started to think As we move through scripture, we've encountered these rivalries before If we go back a number of weeks, we remember the account of Cain and Abel the first sibling rivalry really the first born children in our world and this continues on through history and i found a couple accounts that i were kind of fascinating to me i'm sure you know who harry houdini is a great musician or uh, magician but yet many people may not know that he had a younger brother theodore harry wanted theodore to be successful but not quite as successful as he was he wanted him to do well in his life but not near as well as he was doing and so this rivalry between the two actually became to their benefit because they would play off of it in order to gain sales and have people come and watch them perform to the extent that Theodore at one point said yeah once i reach the big time i'm gonna hire uh, Harry Houdini to come and be my assistant so this rivalry even though it kind of hasn't been you know, out in the open, it's still existing amongst that. Another one I thought was interesting was in a very small town in Germany during the early 1900s. Two brothers, Adolf and Rudolf Dassler, who become the uh, founders of two predominant companies we know today, Puma and Adidas. In this town though, the rivalry was was really heavy so much in fact that if you worked in the adidas factory you had a certain pub grocery store place of worship everything that you could go to you did not cross the boundary to the pumas and likewise for them if you worked in the puma factory you had your own places of work and shop and things that you can partake in in fact this rivalry Exists long after the death of the two brothers and, and Even so the brothers had such an animosity against each other. They didn't even go and see uh, Adolf did not go see Rudolph on his deathbed There was such a distaste between the two and In fact, it was really all the way until 2009 that this rivalry in this little town in Germany existed and it seems that there's starting to be an amends now a bridge is being kind of built to bring the two into unity as these two great companies now exist and yet are built upon a sibling rivalry and then as we will see throughout the rest of scripture this concept of sibling rivalries continues to shine as we will get into Jacob and further down the line, we will see that there's always an antagonist, somebody trying to you, take back some sort of fame or glory from those who the promise has been given to. And that's what we get in today's story. We don't actually see Ishmael and Isaac ever really exchanging words, and we don't see them having any sort of battles per se in Scripture. In fact, they're rivalry doesn't exist until centuries after their death and it's not even between the two brothers themselves it actually is a cascading into three major world religions and the, the difference that is sought between these two brothers and what has come about down the, ro- down the road. So if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 4 we start our rivalries with Cain and Abel. Today we're gonna look at Isaac And Ishmael and then we will see Esau and Jacob and then we will see Joseph and his brothers as we finish out the book of Genesis. Now there's plenty of stories in the book of Genesis to tell and really as I had already mentioned we've got plenty of stories throughout history. Doesn't take much to just Google search sibling rivalries and you have hundreds at your disposal. But I found this one very particular between Isaac and Ishmael. And as I mentioned, there was never really words exchanged or a, a fight between the two. But their, their rivalry becomes later. And it's not necessarily between the two brothers. It's to the branches that they've created. And of that, we have the, uh, we have Judaism, we have Christianity, and we have Islam, or the Muslims. We know the story of judaism and christianity but i want to highlight a few aspects to the roots of islam and show how this sibling feud has essentially resulted in this massive split so on, to unpack this we turn all the way back to genesis chapter 16 and we have hagar and abraham now hagar is sarah's slave And if we go back just a few chapters even before this we have God giving Abraham this promise that his offspring will outnumber the stars and that through his offspring he will be a blessing to all nations but Abraham being a man and being human and being impatient decides that he's not going to wait on God's promise he's going to take matters into his own hands and in fact, even Sarah's in agreement because she offers up Hagar, her slave, to bear a child. Because at this stage, Sarah's well past the normal age of childbearing. So, Ishmael is born. But if we recall that this promise wasn't given specifically to Abraham about Abraham, it was given to Abraham about Sarah. Sarah. And so we have this account of of this child being born as, as essentially the offspring to Abraham, but not a rightful heir to the promise. And after Genesis 16, we don't really see or hear much or anything from Ishmael throughout the rest of Scripture. We'll get a list of descendants that Genesis gives us a little bit later on, but we don't have any other, any sort of records or anything of that matter. But in fact, what Genesis 16 tells us is that as Hagar is experiencing this turmoil over her son, God sends an angel and this angel promises Hagar that her son will be the father of the the Arab nations. So we know that there is some promise there, but there's no promise of salvation. There's no promise of a savior in this. It is just simply that through Ishmael, he will have many descendants. And the fascinating part that I kept coming back to in this is how this story essentially seems to split. Because here in Genesis we have the promise given specifically to Abraham and then to Isaac and then to Jacob and then to Joseph and Moses and all the way down the line. And so we have a really cohesive record according to the Jews in how this promise was given. But yet, we have three major religions based upon this one account in Scripture. So Mohammed comes onto the scene some 600 years after the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He starts making these claims that Gabriel has visited him and is telling him that the Jews essentially have misinterpreted the promise. In fact, that it wasn't Isaac that was supposed to be The bearer of the promise but it was actually Ishmael and so through the descendants of Ishmael they believe that they are the true inheritors of the promise but yet as I mentioned this promise was given to Abraham but it was not about Abraham it was about Sarah the promise was given to Abraham about Sarah And the offspring that she will bear now if it was just given strictly to Abraham and it didn't even include Sarah then there might be some grounds to argue in this that Ishmael may exact may in fact be the rightful heir to this promise and in fact if we look at the Islamic tradition they do trace all of their roots all the way back to Ishmael Because they believe that he was the sole inheritor of this promise. But yet the unfortunate side is they have misinterpreted scripture. They have not seen the true promise of God. And in fact, as we examine these promises, we remember that it's to Sarah. Not Hagar, not Ishmael nobody else but to Sarah and her offspring but yet they have this explicit chain going all the way back all the way back to Ishmael over the account of him being essentially the firstborn this is the cause to the three major religions in the world. This one split, this essential misinterpretation of the text. And then you could argue, well, who's to say that we have the right interpretation? Who's to say that we know what's truly given? Well, the argument I would pose is we can look at the account of Genesis, we can see what Moses has recorded. As he has been given this explicit details, we can look and see how all of Scripture aligns up with this promise. In fact, the reading from Romans 9 shows us that it wasn't the promise given through the flesh, it's the promise given through the Spirit. So it wasn't just given to Abraham and then passed on to ishmael but it's given to abraham that in the right time god would deliver his promise and sarah would bear a son isaac isaac whose name means laughter is born to sarah and abraham late in their lives and as we heard in romans chapter 9 paul writes that as a reflection to Genesis 21 he says not all children of are of Abraham because they are his offspring but through Isaac shall your offspring be named and not only so but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man our forefather Isaac so we have an explicit connections from the New Testament to the Old Testament that give us the proof that the records That the Jews had kept hold true. And so sadly, based upon our knowledge of how the Muslim faith came about, we know it is simply on a misinterpretation of Scripture. They reflect upon aspects of the Old Testament, they respect the Old Testament, but they deny many facets to the life death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, they go on to counter a lot of what is even written in the New Testament saying that they've been given a different revelation. And so out of this, these two brothers, we have three major religions. I can't fathom another sibling rivalry that has produced such a thing in the history of the world. Yes, we can say, well, those two brothers in Germany who founded two companies, that's significant, and it is. But when it comes to the faith and eternal presence of people in this world and in the next, this is significant. Because this is our ammunition to go into the world and to show the world that the promise is given freely to all people, including the Muslims. Even though they think that their descendants are back to Ishmael, in fact, it doesn't matter where their descendants go to. It's what they believe. As we've looked at the promises that God had given Abraham, it is to be a blessing to all nations. Not just the nation of Israel, not just to these select few through history, but to all nations. People. So Abraham will soon now pass away in our text as we move through Genesis. Isaac goes on to marry Rebekah, and he has two sons, Esau and Jacob. To which we will look at that rivalry closer next week. And as I read in the opening of today's text, the promise given to Isaac is the same promise given to Abraham. So we have this promise echoed on Genesis 12, 15, 17, 22, and 26, and so on. It just continues to be re-given. It's the same promise over and over and over again. Because we forget. We forget the very beautiful things that God has promised us eternal life and salvation, freedom from the punishment of sin, forgiveness of sin, freedom as a Christian. And even as Abraham has faulted in his time, Isaac does the same. But yet God remains faithful in his promise. In fact, if we were to really survey the life of Isaac, we find a few accounts of him blatantly lying and in fact it's the, very similar to what his father Abraham did both lying to protect their wives at least they thought see Isaac goes on to say that Rebecca is not really his wife but his is his sister and I think this lie is even just deeper yet than just something that's on the surface a very simple lie But this is something that we, in today's world, have done from time to time in our life. This lie conveys a distrust in God. And in fact, it's one that brings question of whether God will protect us or not. And so as Isaac is standing here and he's lying about his wife being his sister. He is distrusting in God. And I would venture to say that we've all experienced this same sort of moment in our lives where we have not placed our full and utter trust into God's hands. And really, as we survey today's climate, that is screaming examples with all the diseases we face in life, with all the sicknesses that we face, especially with COVID and this crippling fear that it has caused in our lives, have we lost trust in God? Have you given over to living in fear of what tomorrow might bring simply because you fear something that the world is pressing on us? And it doesn't matter what it may be. It could be terrorist attacks, it could be persecution to the church, it could be anything. Fear encompasses every aspect of our lives. And so the question to pose in our minds today is, have you lost trust in God? I'm going to read what Jesus says here in in Matthew. He says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not, your, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they are? And which of you, by being anxious, can even add a single hour to the span of his life? So the question we can ask ourselves is, why are we so anxious? Why are we so fearful? Is it simply because we've stopped trusting in God and we've allowed the lie of the evil one to sit in our ears? Just as Isaac did, he was fearful of his wife. He did not trust in God. And so he commits a sin. And it's the same thing that it echoes through scripture. Adam and Eve did the same thing. Abraham did it. Noah did it. Obviously, we know Cain kills Abel. And it's just echoed all through scripture and well into today's climate, to today's church, where we have not placed our full and utmost trust into God. See, aren't we promised in Scripture that it is God and God alone who numbers the days of our lives? He knows the very elements of every passing second in our lives. And yet we fear over Am I going to make it to the end of this week? Am I going to get into a car accident when I go grocery shopping? Am I going to get sick and end up in the hospital and potentially die? We forget these very simple promises given in Scripture that God is the one who controls our lives, not us. We try though to cling to this reality that we've created for ourselves that if we do these things then we will stay healthy and we'll stay ahead of the curve. If we drive the right speed we may not get into an accident, if we don't go into large crowds and we probably won't get sick we try to do all of these things to prevent us from harm and it is just simply that we have placed our trust in the wrong hands we try to cling to it not realizing that it is in fact God and only God who has this power the same question really is posed to Isaac when he lies about his wife he relies upon himself to do something that God has promised to do to, for him. That through his descendants, through his offspring, the same promise given to Abraham. But blatantly, Isaac is lying because he fears what this Philistinian king will do to his wife. Now there's many more unique stories that can come from Isaac. While there may not exactly be this direct confrontation between Isaac and Ishmael, this feud will take place later in history. Isaac seems to be nestled in the middle of two great and tremendous stories in Genesis. But he is always counted as a patriarch of the Christian and Jewish faith. Isaac is the son of a great father, Abraham, and in turn the father to a great son, Jacob. And while Genesis doesn't give us very many accounts of Isaac, we still can find God working in every facet, present and guiding to completion of His will. We see the promises given not only to Abraham but to Isaac and then we will see them continued to be given through the book of Genesis. That even in the midst of Abraham and Isaac's sin, God remains faithful. Even in the midst of Israel's disobedience throughout the history, God remains faithful. And He remains so faithful, in fact, that He sends His Son into this world. Two accounts of which one we just read in John 3. 16, and just a few weeks ago, we celebrated the birth of Christ. God is faithful. He will continue to uphold His promise despite our disobedience. That same promise of Jesus Christ, not only given to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob, but to us as well. Even in our doubts, even in our moments of despair and sin, god still comes to us he declares us righteous he forgives us of our sin and to be honest i can't think of anything better to kick off this new year than just simply that truth that god forgives you and he will remain faithful throughout your life amen